Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. to the Denver Stiff Show. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Friday evening as we reminisce over a wonderful, hard-fought victory over the Boston Celtics. Final score, 96-92. to The Nuggets fought really hard with some defense tonight. And to help me break it all down, I have senior writer Brandon Ewing and social media director Jenna Garcia sitting across from me. Brandon, how are you doing, first of all? I can't complain. I'm ready to talk about this fantastic Nuggets victory while we're sitting in this room full of couches at the Pepsi Center. It's fantastic. It is an open room uh, that is completely vacant in the, not the bowels of Pepsi Center, the the depths of Pepsi Center. Uh, We're way down. We're down in the dungeon. (laughs) We're in the doldrums. I'm, I'm surprised Jenna didn't jump in on that one because I said the word bowels once again. Uh, Jenna, how are you doing? I was just thinking about the first time you said bowels, and yeah, it didn't go as great as I think you were planning. When I, it's honestly, I the the hosting on this on this channel is particularly trash, but that's no, okay. <laughs> not because of that, but just because I was like, the what? Or what? Whatever, I think it's fantastic. It the listener never knows what they're going to get. That's why they got to tune that's, in. That's true. I am yes. I am a complete enigma. Uh, <laughs> guys, Jamal Murray was clutch once again tonight. Uh, he was just wonderful. 22 points, 9 of 18 shooting, 2 of 6 from 3, 5 assists, 6 rebounds. <coughs> Excuse me. But the dude just brought it over and over again when the Nuggets needed a clutch bucket. He was there to deliver. Jenna, you were there sitting right next to me. You saw my reaction looking like a kid in the candy store. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk to me about, about what you see from Jamal kind of right now, what you see from him going forward. Well, I think a big question coming into this season wasn't, um, you know, last year the talk was all about, you know, Jamal's about to make this next big step. He's about to take this next big step. It's going to be huge. Even Doris Burke came into town to do, uh, not Doris, who was the other, uh, Jackie, Jackie McMullen yeah, came yeah. in to do a big feature on him. And, you know, I thought that he did make leaps last year, but I wasn't really sufficient leaps for me. Um, this season, in the few games that we've seen so far, I've saw seen way bigger leaps than I thought than I thought I saw last year. And uh, like Malone has mentioned a few times, you know, he's Jamal's not just thinking offense anymore. He really does think defense, next play, hustling, get back. He's uh, been far better defender this season, and I think you know, in particular, those clutch minutes. That was my biggest question coming into the season was, can he be a closer as well? Because everyone was kind of, you know, assuming that Nicola was going to be the closer time and time again and that he should be. And then there was that one game, uh, I don't remember who they were playing, where they ended up getting it to Millsap in the paint and then tossing it back out because Millsap couldn't go up with it. But it kind of looked right. like it was written up for Millsap. And that that makes sense to me too, you know, Millsap being a veteran, being such a strong um strong guy in the paint that he could be a closer as well but seeing Jamal close out this game was really really positive for me just to see him that was a step that I was expecting to see from him and you know he hasn't always been clutch he was not clutch last year I think that he he shared the court a lot with Nikola Jokic and he passed the ball to Nikola Jokic a lot but the difference between this year and the last year was the command I think that Jamal kind of plays with during those moments. He's experienced the playoff atmosphere. He understands exactly what he needs to do in those situations. That Paul Millsap three that was hit tonight, that was set up by Jamal Murray. And it wasn't necessarily 
a play that was designed to go to Paul Millsap. Jamal Murray just was a complete player in the fact that he saw the pass, he made and executed the pass, and was willing to give up that glory for the betterment of the team. Uh, that's a that's just a really mature decision, a really mature move, especially from a guy who, like like we saw today, he was cooking. But in that situation, he needed to pass it, he executed, and he's been doing that a lot this year. There was another game earlier when he took the short two floater in the paint. Oh, it what was, was the that game? Uh, 76ers game, I yeah, think? Yeah, the Philly yeah. game where he, you know, and I don't think, a lot of people were thinking three-pointer would have been better, but he was watching the clock, he knew he had time. That, those are kind of the moments when I'm like seeing a lot more maturity in Jamal. And poise. Poise, sure. is, poise is a good word yeah, for that. Yeah, poise is a good word, and command was a good word, which you used, because I think that Murray's a guy who plays like his hair is on fire every time he's on the court, <laughs> but at the same time, he's been playing like that every year, except this year he's finding a way to still slow the game down while still playing like that and getting everyone involved. And I think being able to play with that command while still playing like his hair is on fire and giving it 110% every time he's he's out there. I think that's huge for him, and that's kind of where we're seeing him take that next step forward in the consistency because he really has slowed the game down more and more, and I think that's just been huge in his development, and that's why he's having so much success in the early part of the season. There are definitely some moments that I'm still a little bit concerned with his shot selection. Like There, there are times where he attacks early in the shot clock, step back to like with a guy in your face, but it looks oh, for really sure. pretty. And, and sometimes it goes in. Well, yeah, a lot of the sh- those shots were going in tonight, especially the one where he yeah. had the, the sidestep. But you hate those shots when they're not. True, but when they go in and they they go in with as much regularly as they were going in tonight, it puts him in the rhythm like he got in the fourth quarter. So if he's hitting those shots, then he's it makes it a lot easier. So I think you're willing to take – those shots and like, oh, he misses two or three here, but if he makes them, he's going to explode, kind of like he did tonight. So I think you're willing to live with those shots it, to an extent. There's definitely like, through the course of like learning basketball as you grow up and stuff like that, you you have like something when you're a little kid where you, this is just your personality, right? Like when I was playing, I was scrappy as hell. I was on the floor. I was always, I, I was the person who was scratched up, right. beat up banged up bruised everywhere you're grind city i literally got bit by a girl once in a game it'll that's hap- how like hey it'll happen <laughs> shit happens, happens right? hate it when that happens man yeah and i got called for the foul and i was literally like bite marks are on my arm sir what are you talking about but but my point is as you as i developed as a player over the course of years um the scrappiness never left me but i developed other things right i was able to uh develop better defense uh, I developed you know pick and roll offense different shots that uh, really started to roll for me where initially maybe like it was just layups and then it was like a short two jumper or then it was the corner three that like right. really became my shot as I got older Jamal has still has that in him he's still a gunner he's still going to take those shots because that's kind of almost like who he is as a player is I like that shot with you up in my face and it's a deep three and it's there's still 20 seconds on the shot clock, but I don't care. I know I'm going to hit this. And sometimes when it goes in, you love it. Yeah, I love, how we're, I love how we're talking about our old basketball days because I see a lot of Jamal Murray, like in myself, my junior JV year, where Brandon Ewing <laughs> scored 12 points in all in 26 rebounds. I see a lot of Jamal Murray in that player specifically. <laughs> so I, that's, that's, that's exactly what I was thinking when we were watching Jamal Murray tonight was – I knew that he would relate to Brandon Ewing in such a way. He was a 2012 Brandon Ewing who was wearing weird basketball dad shoes (laughs) that I would never wear today. So, what a guy. Uh, Jamal would never wear weird shoes. Absolutely not, because he knows Adidas is the best type of shoe brand, and I agree completely. He had a nice pair in his locker. Did you see they were black and white and had some weird pattern? He hasn't worn those yet. He had the best ones yet is when he's got the, the Blue Arrow custom Yeezys. Oh, yes. those are so those fire. Those are great. Those are fire. I'm also saying this all right now while I'm wearing a pair of Nike shoes, but they're the Stranger Things Air Tailwind Specialties, which I, great. which I drove to Denver for because I couldn't get them on the sneakers app because you could never buy shoes on the sneakers app, so you have to actually go physically buy them somewhere. Brandon Ewing, sneakerhead. Sneakers, yeah. <laughs> like the, have you used the sneakers app? Yes, but like, why have it if you can't buy shoes on Well, them? like you can try, but you just never get them. Like, I always try for the Travis Scott ones, and, like, knowing I'm never going to get them. I wake up at, like, 6 in the morning. I give it my all, and next thing I know, I'm let down, and I'm already awake at 6 in the morning. (laughs) 
Yeah, but he gets the sneakers. <laughs> he actually he gets them for free. I have to pay two hundred with the money I don't the have. Uh, we're we're gonna have this conversation in a couple weeks, but All Star Game, Jamal Murray, is is he approaching that level? Do you think? Uh, yeah, I would say so, and I think it's something that uh, Coach Malone actually mentioned after the game tonight. If he if Murray wants to get to that All Star level, that All NBA level. He's got to play with that consistency, and it's something he's done so far through 14 games. So I think that if he continues on the trend he's going, all-star game, him and Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, maybe in the three-point contest, could be a really exciting weekend. Could be a really great weekend. I don't know. I think Coach Malone was more referring to him like doing more on like the defensive side of the ball, too. Exactly. You know? Like He can't just be a consistent shooter, which last year he wasn't even a consistent shooter, you know? So this year now he's a consistent shooter and now and he's got also got to take on like I'm also a defender, I'm also a rebounder, I'm also these things which I see him doing. I definitely see the effort there and I think that he's learned that lesson like I have to be more than I was before cuz it didn't it wasn't enough in the playoffs. But I don't know that he'll get the respect for All-Star. I don't know that um everyone will really give him that kind of respect. I mean, they barely just respected Jokic, and he's been phenomenal year in and year out for, what, the last three years? He's and, He's been at that level for about three years now. Right, so. and he's barely getting that respect. So not because uh, I don't think that he's an all-star or I don't love the, the style of game he plays. I just don't know, you know. And, and also, big guy versus guard kind of position, you know, one, two, three. There's a lot of guys in that one, two, three. Yeah, there's the, the that Donovan Mitchells, the Devin Bookers of the world that haven't gotten in yet that are going to continue to push for it. I'm 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 interested to see how it goes. I don't think Russell Westbrook is getting in. I Stephen Curry will not get into the game this year. Obviously. Unless sure. unless Warriors fans just vote for him just cause. Sure. But he may not even be that healthy would be for a huge it. So. Diss to Russ if he doesn't get in. I, is it? He's not that great this year. Oh no, I would I would totally agree that Jamal Murray deserves to be an all star over Russell Westbrook. No over Russ? Oh, there's no doubt in my mind. Sure, in maybe the first sixteen games, but I still think it's gonna dis- it's gonna I mean, yeah, obviously it's it's a yeah. small sample it, it would size. Be, it would be a big deal to put in Jamal Murray over Russell Westbrook. I think he's I think he can get there. I it's, really do. I do. Yeah, I don't yeah. I'm not saying I don't think he can get there. Or mm-hmm. that I don't yeah. respect him in that way, because he locked up Russ the other night. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the fence with it. I really do think that there, there is an argument for and against him. But right now, the Nuggets are 11-3. and three. They're one of the best teams in the NBA. And their MVP candidate, while he has been good, has not been MVP level so far. So, some of that has come from somebody else, and it's really mostly been Jamal Murray. So Yeah, well, it has. And, I mean, Will Barton has been great, too. Paul Millsap's been Paul great, Millsap too. Paul Millsap has been great, too. The bench has had their moments, not not consistently, but but they've had moments enough. And I want to tip my hat to Gary Harris tonight because Gary, despite only score, he was the lowest scorer in for the starters with just nine points. He's the only starter not in double digits, but he had he was plus minus twenty two at one point in this game. He's he was a positive uh, sixteen at the end of the game, which is the second highest plus minus. Which means that his defense makes a big difference, and it takes a load off of guys like Jamal, so that they can do what they do best too. So you know, Gary's been good. Just it's hard to quantify defensive numbers. Yeah, well, Gary, Gary hit one of those vintage Euro steps tonight. I know he missed the basket, but oh boy, that was a good that Euro was step. Such a nice one. And it was a positive sign. He did hit a really nice floater tonight, which I think is a good yeah. sign. The right, Andy hit an open three earlier in the game. So he I think to the line once. Exactly. Really good, really positive signs for him. I, I do agree. The starting line we'll get into the starting lineup in a little actually let's let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about the starters versus the bench. I want to talk about where we're at with this team. We'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
right, we're back. This is the Denver Stiff Show, Friday night edition, after the Nuggets' wonderful win over the Boston Celtics. Uh, we didn't touch on it in the first segment, but want to extend our regards to Kemba Walker. He oh, was, it, it was a, a really scary moment, I think, in, in the arena tonight, where he was down for eight to ten minutes without moving at all. And the the energy was sucked out of the building. There was this weird buzz that people didn't really know what was going on, and they brought they brought the stretcher on. So glad that it, it seems that reporting afterwards has said that Kemba Walker is going to be okay. That there was nothing serious, but just wanted concussion. to yeah. If it's concussion symptoms, that's very understandable when you ram your head into Semi Ojale, who's basically a brick house. So yeah. I get it. Yeah, and he could have potentially like the non-moving part. I I was thinking about my. First concussion. I have had so many concussions, you guys. I've had eight concussions. Really? That's bad. It's ridiculous. I mean, no I've never had like, one, and people would destroy me when <laughs> I play quarterback. That's, like, that's holy phenomenal. cow. I have I guess, a bad back, though. I go to uh, chiropractor all the time. See, I have <laughs> terrible memory, and yeah, really, really bad memory. But my first concussion, I blacked out for from the moment it happened until the next morning, which wow. was like a really, really intense level concussion. I was... I don't know, second grade, I was riding my bike. So I was wondering, you know, when we didn't see him moving at all, like if he had blacked out. I had also another one in basketball where I blacked out for like two or three minutes. And I guess I was like talking and answering questions, but I have no memory of it. So it could have been, you know, he maybe he blacked out. He was, you know, unconscious. Is that the right word? Yeah, yeah. It's Or or at least kind of stunned and and not really around, which I mean, I've, I, I can totally relate to we everybody can relate to that feeling of of being a little bit stunned and not and not knowing where you are or not wanting to move right so. but usually you move just to see if you can right uh yeah I'm sure it goes through your head It'll, it'll, I don't know. I mean, I've you, never been concussed. It's hard for me to say. Yeah, it, oh, yes. it's, it's hard for us to speculate. <laughs> we we don't yes. have the inside scoop on any of this. So take what we say with a grain of salt. We're just glad hoping that, okay. that Kemba Walker is okay. And, We're and glad, glad he's that it okay. seems like it doesn't look like there will be any long-term effects on his injury. So uh, let's move on a little bit. I want to talk about the starters and how they seem to be developing this wonderful chemistry over the last few weeks. Uh, Will Barton has really established himself as a, an elite option next to Nikola Jokic, next to Jamal Murray, next to Paul Millsap. Gary Harris, while he hasn't played his best, has been a really great fifth option in this in this stead. He, he has to continue to iron out his shot selection, and I think that that's something that they'll continue to work on with him. But overall, that unit, that unit is absolutely dope. They every time they play, they're winning their minutes, and it was the case against Houston last or last Wednesday. It was the case against Boston tonight. It's been the case for a while. They have been great. This is one of the best starting lineups in the NBA, and I wonder if the small forward debate was a little bit overblown at the beginning of training camp because Will Barton is actually a damn good player. Nobody respected him. Like, after last year, they thought he wasn't any good, and they there was some serious hate on him, you know? And Will was the only person who genuinely remembered, like, who he was as a player. And he heard it. He heard all of this oh, hate. Yeah. He heard, he heard all, of, all of the criticism, and it, it seems to have motivated him a lot. It's almost funny. Will, like, we were talking about the small forward debate in preseason like it was definitely up for grabs when Malik and Tori haven't played in the last like well Tori played last game but fine out of the last three games they haven't played two of the three yeah it's like been, it was even close it's it's not close anymore that's for sure it's outrageous uh Brandon what what do you think about how the small forward position has played out how it's affected the starters and we'll just go from there like what what are, what's Will Barton adding to the starting lineup right now oh he's he's adding Everything He really is. He's adding everything offensively and defensively. He's playing with such a good energy defensively that it really feeds off with everybody else. And I think that offensively, he's making those big three-pointers when he's wide open. He's making those tough shots. He's getting to the line. He's just doing everything. He really is just doing everything on both ends of the floor, and the whole starting unit feeds off that. And then that makes Jamal Murray better. It makes Jokic better. It makes Millsap better. It makes Harris better. The defense has just been unbelievable. Like, It's, I, just, such, it's just such a high effort. It's like every... 
every time he's guarding someone, whether it's a Westbrook, a Harden, anyone, doesn't even matter. It's like the matchup is, is life or death. Like the, he's trying to the stop focus it. focus and the execution and the ability to body other people. Will Barton's 190 pounds, maybe, maybe more. Oh, yeah. But... But honestly, like that dude is skinny as hell. He's not a hundred more than one hundred ninety pounds. I don't, I don't think he is. <laughs> Maybe so. He way. he is usually when he is playing small forward, outmatched by the size of all of these guys. And tonight, Jason Tatum. I don't have it. Let me let me get it in front of me right now. Jason Tatum. He shot six of sixteen from the field and zero of five from from three. A lot of that was with Will Barton on him. And Jason Tatum's that that prototypical guy that should. Beat Will Barton. He's six foot eight. He's tall. He's rangy. He's skilled. But Will Barton has just got this dog in him, man. Oh yeah. Well, none of those shots were easy, too. I mean, he was yeah. in his face the whole time. Like Jason, I don't, I can't remember a shot tonight that Jason Tatum took that was like, oh, you know, there's a good chance of that one going in. Yeah, it's it's been unbelievable. Really, really excited to see what Will Barton continues to add to this team. I was honestly surprised, like with the three point percentage and how, like, I thought the Celtics would have shot better. At, from three because like they just have been pretty good from three this season so far and over five for Jason Tatum that's some good defense it's great it's it's very very Dude, impressive well, uh, well Will Barton had that monster dunk tonight where I was also a huge fan of Jalen Brown's business decision like that was a great <laughs> yeah call he totally got part. out of the way on that and and the possession right before that he had a, a nice layup that he got really up for mm-hmm. uh Will Barton's got his bounce back, and that is a major point of contention from last year to this year, where he just wasn't able to explode off of two feet, off of one foot. Well, but, you know, they say calf muscles and abs is what gives you your hops. Yeah, and, and his... it was an ab injury. I, I, well, his his initially to start this year, but the, the hip injury is more of what I'm referencing. Like, uh-huh. like, being, like being out for three months and not being able to train and... And just just being very stiff and not necessarily having that that range of motion and flexibility and strength in that body part, it it's has to be killer. And I have no doubt that eighty to ninety percent of what was ailing Will Barton last year was not necessarily a bad season from him, like like skill wise. It was just the fact that he couldn't jump. Yeah, I would say it was like at the beginning of it, it was injury. And towards the end, as he was coming out of his injury, it was all the noise. You know, it's true. And it's like a lot of noise. So much crap and about his game. After you have the, your your first big injury like that, it's a mindset thing. When you sure. come back, you're like, you know, I can't. I don't know if I can trust my body as much as I used to. Now, you never got injured, Mr. Corbett. Well, I was telling you about my back. I, I seriously <laughs> visit the chiropractor like once every two weeks. Like I got like a running tab there. It is not good for my <laughs> neck or my back. <laughs> let's let's talk about the bench now because. It's, it's also becoming a trend that while the starters are overwhelmingly positive, the bench has been consistently overly negative. Uh, yeah, there wasn't very many bench minutes tonight when I was looking no, at it for the game. It's kind of weird. There's a reason so for that. Definitely. We were talking about it during in-game how, like, well, Jokic played the entire third? He played the entire third. He played most of the first quarter. Every starter played almost all of the first well, quarter. Well, I mean, Jamal Murray played 38 minutes, and remember, Jamal Murray took that shot to the leg in the third quarter where it looked like, you know, he might not be able to give it a go. Yeah, and he then, had his leg wrapped up. That's I, that's another storyline that I, I want to table for, for next segment because I think that that's pretty notable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this bench is just completely losing it. I just don't think the that they fit together. The lineups that we saw tonight, like there was one lineup with Jamal and some of the bench players. You mentioned Plumlee was on the floor at that time. Wancho was on the floor. Jeremy Grant and I think it was Will Barton and Jamal. Right. Yeah, and it just seemed like three really big guys who it, it seemed too big almost. Like two big guys on the floor. You could have had maybe a better facilitator in Monte helping them like. Giving Jamal the chance to shoot more, getting the lob to Mason or Jeremy. Well, and the, it seemed like it wasn't working. The bench lineup that they consistently use when they go full bench right now is is either featuring Tory Craig or Michael Porter Jr. at the two, at the shooting guard position, and that's that's just not a position that I think those guys are best suited for. If your goal is to generate positive offense and. 
Michael Malone's a defensive-minded guy. He wants to take care of that end. And I think that it's it's a lot easier for Torrey Craig, Michael Porter Jr., Wancho, when they have guys like Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumlee behind them that are huge hustle guys, that are huge range guys. But this offense killed the Nuggets tonight. It was It was the reason that the Celtics got back into the game was the fact that the Nuggets just couldn't score. I would argue... Malone was the reason why the Celtics got back in the game. He left that unit in way too long. He left in Jamal way too long at the beginning and Jokic in the beginning when he should have subbed them out to get them a little more rest so that they wouldn't have to leave the second unit in so long in those longer stints. Yeah. I would say there was some coaching error uh, in tonight's game. I did like the short leash he kind of had on Porter to start the fourth, though, because Porter was he, struggling he a little bit. He needed a short leash on him. And Barton came back. He started the fourth. Yeah, that's true. He did give some really good minutes at the end of the third, which is the which is the issue with the bench unit is they give you those flashes, but the issue with the flashes is is they last like two minutes and then they're over with. Yeah, and, and there's there's a situation where I I don't think Malone, I I think that there is a a unwillingness to like he he'll leave them out for just a little bit too long, whether it's it's a minute and a half or or two minutes or three extra possessions where you can see things starting to slip with the bench unit where they're not generating great shots where they're they open up one defensive possession and and there's an open three or a run out in transition and then it spirals into another one and then another one and that's yeah. that's just a yeah, well, I think that's a problem. Right, and I mean, it's hard. It's hard as a coach because you want to give them enough minutes so that they can get into their rhythm, and you also have to be, like, really aware of, okay, one, you don't want to be pull a guy right right after he struggles once, you know, or he gives up a shot or a three or whatever one time because you're like, you don't want to kill their confidence, but at the same time, it's like that group, I felt like he should have seen that sooner. But Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic playing 37, 38 minutes a game isn't a, isn't the answer either. So sure. they're going to have Millsap to. Or Paul Millsap too. Like yeah. Millsap needs to the load management, subbing Millsap out. Like I don't know why Denver isn't a team that's doing load management. Like other teams are doing it. It's wise. You know, I I, I have a theory, and I think that while this winning streak keeps going. While everything's going well it, through this tough part of the schedule, they're going to try and keep those guys going while they're playing well. And when they start slipping a little bit, when they start appearing a little bit more tired, then the load management will start. And I think that it's, it's a tough situation to take out Paul Millsap right now because the op- the other option is going to Jeremy Grant as the starter, who would be good, but then you're playing more Wancho Hernan Gomez, Michael Porter Jr. But you don't Jr. have to. It could be the starters and Jeremy. Right, but but they, they're in a position where if they rest Paul Millsap, then Jeremy Grant can't just play 40 minutes again. Sure, he can't just play the four. He's going to have to play the five position. He's going to have to sub more with Mason. But I just I feel like there's a lot of guys on the roster – Two guys didn't even get in the game tonight. Right. There's got to be. There's plenty of depth in this team. Um, I also think that, you know, MPJ, while he has flashes of good, and he's getting into these games, you know, I don't feel like he's learning or getting the chance to develop as he could be if he was in a G League uh, situation where he could be playing 20, 30 minutes a night, being yeah. effective, uh, playing against. You know, in games, situations where he isn't, it's not so nerve-wracking. It's not so life or death that they win or lose. And he would be learning so much more. And then you take out one of those guys as a chance to so to get other guys into that rotation. Yeah, the I fact that Malik hasn't played and didn't play at all tonight, that was weird. Tough. Well, I, I don't I don't think Michael Porter's like a G, League, a G League guy. He would go there and just completely annihilate i think he learns better up here i really do and like i think he's actually getting better defensively like tonight i saw positive signs like he had that one he had that one block that was really good he had a steal which they called a foul which i thought was pretty clean and pretty good i thought it was clean too he did have one bad foul i forgot who it might have been wanamaker was driving to the basket and he 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 clearly fouled him and got beat that was like the only bad foul he had and then malone that was the play he missed a three, had the foul, and then Malone subbed him out. But I've, I'm seeing improvements, and I think that he's a guy that'll get better playing at the NBA level. Because I think if he went to the G League, gosh, he would just he would just tear it up. He really would. Because it's I'm, I don't I'm not, think there's any proof of that. 
I'm not going to say that I'm like a, a G League guy that like watches every G League game. Like I usually just watch the Bowl Bowl and PJ Dozier highlights. But it looks like it's kind of just like more of like a schoolyard atmosphere and it's just like the NBA is more structured. I think it's a structured environment where he can build is the best for him. So I think that like he got 10 minutes tonight. That's a good number. I think between 10. a lot though. And he was a negative nine and he was, I mean, sure he had a flash here and there and a put back dunk or whatever, but he wasn't. He wasn't productive to the team's success in the team's I success. I mean, that's true. Well, just I'll imagine if he hits just a little bit because I think Wancho Hernan Gomez also struggled tonight. He also wasn't a positive. And I don't think we can hold MPJ to the standard that if he's not a positive on one night, then he should go down to the G League. I'm not about one night. And, and lots no, of nights. I, I, I agree. But he's also being put in this position where he's playing shooting guard. He's playing a position that he's unfamiliar with that I don't think he's suited for at the NBA level. And he's playing on a, on a, a lineup that features Monte Morris and M- Mason Plumley pick and rolls. Jeremy Grant shots, I guess. Like, he's, he's not shooting the ball very well either. And he, he has a lot of pressure on him to space the floor for this team. Sure, his plus minus might not only represent who what he's doing on the floor. It can also be a factor of who he's on the floor with. I'll give you that. But Jamal Murray is playing a point guard, and he's not suited for the point guard position. He's a shooting guard. He's been a shooting guard forever. He's become a point guard because he was put in that position when he came to Denver, and he had to learn it, and he is productive at least. But it took him a while, and Malone also let him play through his mistakes in his rookie year. And it allowed him to get better. A a lot less pressure. Totally different Don't get me wrong. I think that this team needs to make a move. But until that happens, I think that they're right to keep him up here. I honestly think that sending him down into the G League in the first place would be the wrong message to send. But I could be wrong. I, I, I don't pretend to know what's going on inside the locker room like that. Uh, After he'd been in the G League last year, and his position has far less players in that rotation that you could be rotating him in at. Yeah, I, I, with regard to Jared, he, he's in a position where Millsap and Grant are the definite guys. Will Barton is the only definite guy at his position. And I think that you can make a really strong argument that on some nights, Michael Porter Jr. is the second best small forward on this team. And that there are other nights that There's you can make no a, statistics that back that up. It's it's so early though, and you can make a strong argument that Tory Craig is so the second best small forward, or you can make the the argument that Wancho Hernan Gomez has been the second best. But the fact is, it's it's a it's a revolving door right now that they have yet to solve, and that's a that's a big issue. That's one of the things that has really given this team a lot of trouble. And they've even gone to the point where they're playing two of their small forwards at the same time and cut Malik Beasley out of the rotation a lot. That's weird, though. Like, Malik is good. Malik is a player that could have done way big things. He's in the doghouse for something, but who knows what it is because it's not not being good enough. Oh, no, he's very good. I think that where he struggles, though, is defensively, and this Nuggets team is playing really well defensively right now. So you don't really want to sacrifice that. So... Yeah. I don't know. That's where it is. Also, if Michael Michael Porter was 0 for 2 from the three-point line tonight, if he makes one of those, his stat line looks a lot better. And he still had five rebounds and only ten minutes of action. You know how many threes he's made all season? Two. He hasn't, he hasn't made many. Two. But they look they do look pretty good. So hopefully they start dropping. <laughs> he has, hopefully they start he dropping. has the prettiest looking missed jumper on the team. I will give you that. Uh, if that was a stat line, but it's it, not. <laughs> it's it's all good. Uh Okay, okay, let's let's, let's take, take another break. When we come back, we're going to get into our final questions, run through some of the Western Conference a little bit. We will be right back. with you guys really appreciate you sticking with us on this friday evening saturday morning whenever you're tuning into this podcast i'm with jenna garcia and brandon ewing here guys i do this every week with you uh guy guy and gal of course uh player of the week who who do you think deserves the player of the week this time i the last time that we discussed this jenna you and i 
Uh, it was that Friday afternoon. Uh, they they played the Memphis Grizzlies the following Sunday. Uh, Jamal Murray had a lot of points in that game. Do you think he deserves Player of the Week for what he's done so far? Yeah, I think his performance this week was pretty pretty good, especially with the you know the defense that he was able to throw at Houston. I would say you know he he didn't necessarily hit a lot of shots in that game, but he brought it defensively. You could I, I I'm hesitant to give it to Nicola though. You know, Nicola was a rock. He had a quiet double-double, quiet triple-double tonight. He he was pretty good. Jamal was good in clutch minutes, and that's important for sure. But I would say Nicola was more impactful overall this week. Yeah, it, it's very possible. I, I don't know which one I would prefer to I think I think I would give it to Jamal. Yeah. And and there there's certainly an argument to give it to Nikola because he was the player of the game against the Rockets on Wednesday. Jamal was the player of the game against the Memphis Grizzlies on on Sunday, and and I thought he was the player of the game tonight. Yeah. In terms of just the the clutch shot making that he had, Brandon, what do you think? I don't, know what, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I'm giving it to Paul Millsap for the Ooh. shimmy. For the shimmy. Huh? Just for the shimmy. <laughs> just for the shimmy, man. Hey, that that was that was. Something, something, something fierce, so man. Now we're giving points for prettiest, not made three points. I don't know how you don't shimmies. give points to the shimmy. Well, I mean, well, hey, if, if you're style. giving points to the prettiest, then you should probably just be giving it to Skip. Like, honestly, <laughs> that's straight <laughs> facts. That's no printer, just facts. I agree completely. So much Jamal Murray in you. <laughs> you you I, know, I got the swag. <laughs> I, I think I, I think I want to give it to Jamal for the sole reason that in the in the last edition that we did on Friday. He, he was, was the player we thought should forget He, he the had last to forget week. last week, and he forgot it real quick. He put up 39 the next game. I thought he, he didn't shoot well against Houston, but he had nine assists, six steals that night. And then tonight he put up a lot of clutch jumpers. I thought he was the, the steadying force that they needed out there. Hit a lot of really important shots for them. So I, I think that he... At, even even if we don't actually want to give him player of the week, I think he deserves a really big shout because he has stepped up this season, stepped up this week, just been a really different player for the Nuggets this year. Yeah, Nicole will get it another week for sure. He'll, yeah, he will. He's going to get he it tons of weeks. <laughs> <Every> week. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. Uh, player who needs to forget this week? Tory Craig. Tory Craig, huh? I mean, maybe Malik. Uh, no, Tory, Malik. But Tory Craig was big time in the Houston game. Yeah, he game. was big in the Houston game, so maybe Malik because he didn't like, play at all. Yeah, and Tory didn't play in the Memphis game, did he? No, he, and he didn't Tory, play tonight. Tory only played in one game. So he, he was one for one. He was perfect. Yeah, so Malik. I agree. What about Porter? Eh. Uh, he yeah. did what he's been doing. I don't know. Uh... Yeah. And according to Skip, he did better than he's been doing. I really thought he did better. I seriously did. I thought he did way better defensively. I, I do I, hear you. Against against Memphis, he got benched late in that game for a lot of defensive miscues for not really executing the sets that they needed to execute. He didn't play against Houston. We do uh, have to note, you only noticed he was in the game tonight, Ryan, because he fell flat on his face like the first second he came in the game. That is funny. He did do that. And you were That's... like, oh, orders in the game? Oh, like, yeah, and like, I guess he's there. He, <laughs> there he, is. he did have an unfair matchup in his defense of having to cover Brad Wanamaker, who's a much faster, much smaller player. So, I mean. It's not an easy matchup. If you're big, the bigger guy in the mismatch. But Brad Wanamaker be... is shifty. Very fast. <laughs> like, I was impressed with him. Like, lightning quick. Like, he scored. Holy, he scored 14 points and was a plus 18. Like he was balling. He just no, like he's just one of those guys that came he's over won, from from. Your, yeah, he's he want to makes it. Yeah, <laughs> he want to makes it and he, he does it. I I forgot to tell you about the pun that I had that I told Skip before we got onto this recording. Uh, the the Boston Celtics because they took the L on the way out. Uh, I like it. Fantastic. I like it. <laughs> okay. The dad jokes are flowing. Moving on. <laughs> you cannot uh, be at a good dad joke. <laughs> what, what, okay. Uh, let's like Malik. I think that's that's a pretty good. That's a pretty good. Yeah. Only because he didn't play at all, and there's got to be something going there's, on. There's 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 some stuff going on behind the scenes. So, uh, Sunday the Suns are coming to town. Sun Sunday. 
Will the Nuggets get up for that game after having two really high-level performances, high-level teams come to town, and like really high emotional games? Do you think there will be a drop-off there? I think there will be. I, I predicted that they, before tonight's game, that they, I thought they would lose the one to the Suns. But I think Jamal will still have a really good game because he hates Devin Booker. And that's, he does. That's it's hearsay. True. I don't know that Jamal's never said that he hates it, but I think he hates I, it. it. It may just be a Kentucky rivalry. Like, hey, who's the best Kentucky guard? Well, and didn't Booker get drafted higher than Jamal did, and that pissed him off? Uh, no, Booker was like uh, I think Booker. I want to say was, was like, like ten to thirteen or so. Thirteen was yeah. my original thought. I'm pretty sure. All, I, all good. He is uh, Booker's a guy who really goes at Jamal. And Jamal gave him 46 points last year in his eye. Uh, Darren Fox is another Kentucky guard who Jamal gave 34 points in the second half of, of last year in his eye. It's funny, um, like, who cares who the best Kentucky guard is? None of you are in Kentucky anymore. You're in the NBA. Yeah, that, the that's the best NBA a, guard. Well, here's a, like, Kentucky is such a pro mentality. That, that if you went to Kentucky, then you probably went pro. Mm-hmm. And and so many of those guys are very conscious of that. They are very, like, appreciative of their Kentucky roots. And Carl Anthony Towns is that way. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein also went there. there. There are a lot of guys that are very, very, very conscious of when they're playing another Kentucky dude. And Jamal Murray is just one of those guys. You should so. unify them, not divide them I feel like you guys went to the same school well, I, don't, I don't think they hate each other it's really it's just like hey oh I know you we're, we're gonna laugh about this afterwards but I'm gonna give you buckets um what do you think Skip do you think they'll they'll bring it on Sunday yeah I think Nicole Jokic will dominate the Suns like he always does they have no way of stopping but they do have Baines don't they he he's day to day he's got a hip injury that that kept him out I know at least the last game I don't know if that will keep him out on Sunday. If but Baines if does, doesn't play, that would just he's just going oh, yeah. straight like, dominate. Frank Kaminsky is the starting center in that situation. So It's too bad DeAndre Ayton can't play. Cause, uh. <laughs> yeah, Jokic would give him the work. Uh, <laughs> Didn't we already see the Suns this year? Yeah, we did. It was the home opener. Yeah. I feel like I was home opener. I was at the University Bulldogs birth at Spartans football game. It was you can't were, miss. It was, was can't miss Friday night football. Squad you know, got nice it done. Plug. Yeah, very, squad very got it done. So. Did they get it done in the playoffs this year? Uh, no, we didn't make the playoffs. We missed by one spot. Don't bring it up. Ooh, I'm Don't sorry. Bring it up. <laughs> sorry, man. Two A Colorado high school football playoffs. We'll be back next year. University Bulldogs. Join next, the fan club. Next question. We'll. Uh... You should have barked right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too far. That's too far. I can't do that. Jesus. The kids would all laugh at me if they listen to this podcast. I don't want that to happen. Will Will Nikola Jokic have a triple double within the next two games? He had one tonight. He did, and it was it was a very quiet Ooh. one. I think he got the assist on the last play. Yeah. Um, will he have a triple double? There, it's against Phoenix and it's against Washington. So it's against yeah. Baines and Thomas Bryant, technically. So he's gonna go against Thomas Bryant. You know, on Tuesday, the best center in that game that nobody's gonna know about is Mo Wagner, because Mo Wagner kicks ass and he's re- he's ready to come and show the mile. Man, you, what he you've can got do. some deep cuts tonight, man. It's been it's been a good time. Been a good I'm telling you, Mo Wagner is the best center that nobody knows about. Skip also said prior to starting this pod, I really like guys that. Aren't very good. Oh, oh, like no, <laughs> that's like I, I am said. a huge fan of like the underdog. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's I am. Yeah, well, it's true. It's what true. I'm saying that's why Mo Wagner. Just wait, he'll get triple double. Just he's gonna get his first career triple double Tuesday, and I'll a be right here. University Bulldog story. <laughs> I got all the University Bulldog stories. <laughs> uh, guys, the Nuggets are the second best team in the West right now. Like they, they, or at least they have the second best record. Uh, behind the only the Los Angeles Lakers, who have held a a really easy schedule for themselves, uh, they've they've had some tough games, but they've they've also played the schedule that's been in front of them, and and they are thirteen and two, or, or I think fourteen and two now. Uh, the Nuggets are eleven and three, though they are second best second best record. Is this a championship team? Is this is this a championship caliber? team that we are looking at kind of in the early stages that could continue to develop in April, May, and maybe even play until June? Honestly, when they finished Houston off the other night, I thought that's the first time I ever thought, like other times when we've, the Nuggets have played against Houston, even gotten the win against Houston, I've always thought, eh, that was 
a lucky win or that could have been could have gone really differently had right. some shots not fallen. Uh, this one against Houston was the first time that I thought I think the Nuggets are better than Houston, which last year they were lucky and avoided Houston in the playoffs um, because of the seating arrangement and everything. But I definitely, if you're asking like, are they really truly a second second seat in the West? I, I want to see them play the Lakers and I want to see them play Utah before I really Clippers maybe Clippers too. There are a lot of good teams in the West, and I don't think it's I don't think it's selling them short to say that they still have something to prove, because they the starters have been great, and Nikola Jokic has not been as good as he needs to be, but they're still getting it done. The starters are still getting it done. The bench is just such a big concern, though. Yeah, and if you don't have a deep bench, like it's just too easy. Yeah. That's what that's what I thought about Houston. Houston doesn't really have a bench. They've got no. one player. Yeah, and that's why the Nuggets were able to dominate. True. Yeah. I mean, part of it. Not the yeah, whole I through the first part of the season, I think they're a championship caliber team. The only thing that gives me cause for concern is that it kind of worries me when they can't put teams away. Like tonight, yeah, they couldn't put the Celtics away, who are fielding a team of guys who probably aren't usually out there and – yeah, that's and, they, and they struggled. They, they struggled, and I think that's concerning because at times this year they've allowed teams to hang around and hang around, but the Nuggets have still found a way to get the victory and get that done. But at the same time, if you keep doing that, the luck is eventually going to run out, and I don't, you don't want them to use all that luck at the beginning of the year and they get to the playoffs or the end of the season, and it's like, well, we let so-and-so back in the game, and you know they got us in the end. Because you, you can't just keep doing that and expecting good results to happen because it might not happen. And Malone specifically is, like, aware of that. He, He's commented on absolutely. it so many times. He's brought it up himself, not even when it's, like, asked him a question, but he's brought it up himself saying like, his, his well, phrase that, is building championship habits. Well, that's why we've seen the starters on the lineup, even when they are up, like, double digits with, like, three minutes left in there. Everyone's like, why are the starters still in? I was like, well, you know, they really want to put the game away that bad. Yeah. And, and you, you understand it. If this team really has championship aspirations, then there are just certain things that they have to iron out. The offense is one of them. I, I think that Malone is starting to understand that the defense is good enough, that they are playing well enough on the defensive end that they're going to make it work. Or at least they have that next year that when they're focused in, when they're locked in, they can be a championship caliber defense, which... If you had told me that a couple of years ago with Nikola Jokic defending the way he was in Game 82 against the Minnesota Timberwolves, I would be shocked. This team has come so far in that regard that, and Will Barton is defending his ass off at small forward, and Jamal Murray is doing Jamal Murray things and also being a solid defender. Like The defensive mentality is certainly rubbing off on this team, but their offense has taken such a hit. Yeah. Well, and I think, I thought the bench even tonight, there was a point before it kind of went really downhill where I thought, well, they're still holding them off. They're not really scoring, but they're holding them off. They're still, they still have some defense in there, too. So I think the bench just has to figure out how to score. The offense just has to figure out its tweaks and well, the, needs to figure out different lineups. Well, the bench just needs to have something positive happen that they can build on. But they have had a couple positive games. Even True, the but then, Houston, they were decent. They were good. good. They are, are at least good enough and, and positive enough that it should have provided some forward momentum against a team like Boston, who was down Kemba Walker, and they had to they had to really scramble, and the Celtics kind of took it to the Denver bench. Yeah. Do you think any of it is like play calling? Steven. I don't know. I, I think that they... I think that the offense on the bench is getting very stale. And teams, especially teams that are well-coached, know what the Nuggets are going to run with their bench sets. And those guys just don't have a lot of answers and a lot of counters because they there are a lot of limited pieces. Mason Plumlee is a limited piece. He cannot shoot the ball. Monte Morris is very small. He he is a starting caliber player, but he has this fatal flaw that really impacts them in very niche scenarios, and that is one of them. Where where teams can game plan for that weakness. Good teams like Portland 
game plan for that weakness in the playoffs last year, Portland, San Antonio, and they they turned Mason Plumlee into a, a an unplayable player. Yeah, Monte too. Monte too. Malik Beasley, while he didn't struggle with it as much, he still had his moments last year in the playoffs where he wasn't great, and he just was. He, it looked like he was one dimensional, and the other team took away that dimension. So. That's the argument for Michael Porter Jr. That's the argument for continuing to give him time, to continue to give him reps, because he's a guy that when when those minutes break down and when those sets break down, if you can give him the ball and he can give you a bucket, then sometimes it just it bails them out. And they they may they may but he's a rookie and he is so young and so inexperienced and it's been so long since he's played competitive basketball. That I think you got to give him, you got to give him the benefit of the doubt, and you have to let him get back into the swing of things, or else he's never going to get it. I mean, those are all the reasons why I think he would benefit from going to the G League for a month. Maybe, maybe, maybe they explore that. I, I don't think they will, but maybe they will. Yeah, I think it's more front office that won't decide. All right. Um, if I tell you the Nuggets make the Western Conference Finals, is that real or not real, Jenna? Real. Brandon? You know, I'm a really positive guy, and I feel like real is the only answer. <laughs> I really built it up, didn't I? I think it's real, too. I predicted them to make the Western Conference Finals, and I don't want to back off from that. I think that they're going to be good enough that – Whichever matchup they face in the first See, round, could really screw it could screw them if they face an LA team too early, and and that's that's a fact. But but they've proven now they could beat Houston. They they may struggle against Utah, but they also could beat Utah. We haven't seen that yet. Yeah. We don't we don't know how that's going to go. Um, oh, you don't get LeBron ever. Ever, ever <laughs> start. That would be great. Yeah. Uh, well, that is not avoidable. So. Um, the go. It's, it's late. I want to get you guys out of here. Anything left that you guys want to plug that you guys think we should talk about before saying goodnight? Goodnight. Goodnight. <laughs> goodnight, baby. Uh, all right. That's going to do it here from the bowels of Pepsi Center. I am Ryan Blackburn, your host, site manager for Denver Stiffs. She is Jenna Garcia at Vita Viva Diva on Twitter. He is Brandon Ewing at B underscore skip 1717. I remember those from memory. That was great. I, I am on that's why you're That's why you're running the show. It's, I, yeah, that's why you got the big clearly. I am an enigma. Sometimes you just, you just get what you get. That's going to do it here. We will see you guys next week.